But I was like dancing around and, you know, Jerry Lee Lewis scene, you know, hitting the piano by foot. And Oh, my Whoa. God. You yeah. can't do that, can you? I can't. You can play Jerry. You can play like Great Balls of Fire with your feet? Yeah, 100%. Why do what? I, why do you think I do yoga? <laughs> do you really? Uh, can you really do Great Balls of Fire with your feet? Yeah. That we got to please. I mean, can I'm not going to do, do it on any of these keyboards because but these are all fragile. Can you do that yeah, at yeah. some point for us on this podcast? And do you have a keyboard you can do that on? Uh, let's see if we can do the one downstairs later. That's amazing. <laughs> that is very cool. Can we burn it too, like Jerry? I mean, if you want to buy me a new piano. Yeah, well, no, I, don't. I really so, want a Yamaha U5. All right, fine. Um, I'll get it. I got you. distracted with Anthony's noise. It's not rocket science. <laughs> Not rocket science. Science. Not rocket science. It's not rocket science. It's not. 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 Rocket science. It's not rocket science. Five, four, three, two, and one. Blast off. Welcome to Not Rocket Science. And today we're in the studio with the genius. The incredible, the masterful, Alexandra Burke, and he is a uh, a composer. He's a producer. He's also a magician. He's not a magician. He's he's a he's a musician, not a magician. But I like magic. <laughs> Go to the magic castle whenever I can. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, he's he's incredible. He's also a musical director. He's worked with uh, musicians like. Uh, Bob Dylan, Bruce Springsteen, Gloom, several other uh, uh, magicians, not musicians. He's no magi- m- musicians. Uh, my brain is broken today. Um, but no, he's he's incredible. He's the best. He also composes uh, for movies and TV, which is super cool, like Iron Man three, and he's worked with Dane Cook. Here he is, Alexander Burke. Well, also, and thank you, which we haven't officially said, uh, he, most importantly, one of his biggest career moves was doing the uh, podcast theme song for us. Of course, yeah. yeah. Not rocket science, uh, yeah. so we do ap- and- uh, apologize for not thanking you officially, but now you have been thanked well, officially. You always thank me in the credits. Yeah, I do. I do. Uh, yeah, for every you. episode. Yeah, that's what Maddie told you, but <laughs> I haven't seen a credit yet. Um, but so nice to see you, and thank you so much for having us in your lovely studio uh, slash home. And uh, yeah. just look under for his address right under, and we'll tell you that right away. <laughs> my, uh, free parties anytime you want. My doors are made of glass, so very easy to come in anytime you want yes. if I'm not home. Okay, okay. I almost drank this and, backwards, by the way. <laughs> and we wanted to get your social security number if you could write ha- that I down. have it. Uh, you, have you don't have to worry about that. I'll put that right yeah. under his address. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Cool. Um, Did I share many numbers with my phone number. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you're you're incredible. We're so lucky to be able to interview you, Alexander Burke. I've been so. First of all, let's kind of talk. <laughs> I never hear my full name unless I'm in trouble. I yeah, I don't know why like, he keeps saying that. It's scary. Well, trying to figure out what I did wrong. Well, yeah, which but, is a lot. But we don't call you Mathalayu. Isn't that your full name, Mathalayu? Yeah. Mathalayu Wrightwood Carteropolis. You forgot about the Bethlehem part. Yeah, that is true. I forgot about that. So um, many questions about your family lineage. 
Yeah. Um, first off, uh, just to let you know the uh, comfortability Alex has around us, I've known him longer than Maddie. We used to live in what Chicago. Was competition or what? Well, we lived in Chicago <laughs> I mean, together uh, at the same time. <laughs> And we have very I, good times together. When I met you, I could not grow facial hair, and now I've whitened my beard. So it's yeah, been, you look good. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's are been you that proud, long. Anthony? Yeah, yeah. Well, I knew when I first met him, I was like, "This man will never grow facial hair." And now look at you. I grew it out of spite. Purely spite. I, you I see me. glue on that thing. <laughs> I can't grow facial hair either. Yeah. You, What's the you secret, have, buddy? You have stubble. I do, but like it takes for what's the secret? Um, lack of sleep and a lot of coffee. <laughs> nice. Uh, I think letting it go, just do it. I just think you have to it. put yourself. Would you like me with a beard? Was well, it... I don't know. You do whatever you want, but I think if you want to do facial hair, you should just let it go for a while, just right? Let it go. Yeah. When I first grew a beard, I was so dumb that I just used scissors to cut it. Because I didn't realize. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> just normal like house scissors to try to get all even. <laughs> because it didn't realize you could, uh, you know, get shaving apparatus. Yeah, it's, yeah, right. It's very dumb. Well, uh, when we're young, we don't know what's going on. I had a hard time. I, I think I had a weird like, probably looked like a psychopath beard when I was in like high school. You know, oh, really? just like one of those like really thin <laughs> mustache beards, thinking I was cool, and everyone was like. Probably like this guy's a nightmare. <laughs> and I used to wear like <laughs> like uh, track suits because I thought I was Eminem or something. Like so, I was just like. I mean, you sound like, like you're a fashion forward. I know. Now that's what I, everyone's doing. I know that is true, actually. So, how did you all meet you, you and Alex? Improv class. Improv class, I believe. Yeah. In Chicago. But we also knew each other because my roommates at the time uh, he produced the music for this uh, group, Dolphins of Damnation. Nice. Yeah. Who, you know, shout outs to them. I don't know. Are they still damn, no, I don't, damnation? They, they're still friends. They're still, I don't think still damn, still friends. Yeah. But, but I don't know if they're still in intact. And I lived with all of them, actually. That is <laughs> you so lived funny. with Alex? Except, no, no, except I didn't Kimmy live Kipanic. with Alex. What? You didn't live with Kimmy Kapanek. I did not. Oh, yes. I didn't even know. The funny thing is I lived with the others, but I never even really met Kimmy. She's a real person. Yeah, yeah. I knew she was, but I lived with Sean, uh, and that was the last one I lived with. What's it like living with a dolphin? Were they pretty nice? Or? Oh, boy. They were something else. Adam and... Uh, Ted were shirtless half the time. <laughs> Sean was a, Sean's goth, leather yeah. pants, <laughs> leather pants, Ouija boards yeah. with swords. Also, they were shirtless in most of the sketches too. <laughs> By the way, I tried to be sh uh, shirtless once, and I was told that I was neither too skinny nor too fat for it to be funny. Oh my god! Oh, so yeah. you just right? It was just normal. Yeah, which is really funny. It's just like. Like just a normal they're thing. Like they're you're you're very average bill. There's no comedy here. Yeah. Did you live with the dolphins? <laughs> no, he didn't live so with us. I, I met them in my dorm room. Okay. Um, there was a improv club in college. I was very cool. Columbia? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. A, because we had an improv club. I'm like, obviously I'm gonna join that. Nice. <laughs> and, it's funny. Uh Adam was in it. I believe Ted and Kimmy were teaching it. And maybe Sean? Uh, Sean was the the goth, so he was kind of the recluse of the the group. So I don't know where, I don't know, I don't remember him going to college, but I mean, he did. They all worked at Second City, all, as well as the box office and all yeah. that. Noise, noise. 
Well, this isn't a podcast on dolphins, so they wish. Let's, let's transition. We're bringing the, the group the back. Questions. Um, <laughs> so, um, so you started out as a lover of the Casio keyboard. I read that you learned on the Casio keyboard. Is this I did. true? Casio is still in my closet. It, it's here in yes, the closet. It's here. Oh my the original, gosh. the first one. So the original one got lost. Yeah. Um, I left it with a friend who stopped paying for a storage space. <laughs> oh God! But I what? Uh, yeah, I immediately bought another one of the exact same one and then pretended like it never happened. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> Much like uh, you is know, this the first time it's come out? This is the first time I've admitted. You've to heard it. it here, for folks. First, uh, yeah. Wow. All right. Cool. That's awesome. So you you learned on. So tell us about that. What what, what was your interest in music and? And yeah. yeah, when when did you first start uh, getting into music? Was it like six years old or junior high, high school? Uh, so I was 10 years old. Wow. And uh, my next door neighbor, who I looked up to because he was 12, was playing piano. <laughs> I wanted to be like one of the big kids and play piano, too. And my piano teacher said I should be a professional musician. I was talented. And I just said, OK. Wow. And then I never... <laughs> thought about doing anything else wow. so at 10 years old you got a piano teacher and your teacher was just like you're gonna be professional that's so great <laughs> that is great uh, she was neil diamond's arranger is that true yeah what and so any song that i wanted to do it she just so happened to it was random um but she still taught kids for like 20 bucks an hour <laughs> it wasn't some fancy teacher because she just enjoyed teaching and wow um, kathy hawes who's amazing um and she, um, whatever song I wanted to learn, she would just write out basic charts for me. And I found That's out amazing. recently, I was a kind of a prodigy, a savant person. Um, she had to start practicing again to keep up with me. When you were that young? When I was like 14. <laughs> wow. All I did was play 24 hours. I remember my parents screaming at me in three, at three in the morning to stop playing piano oh, because wow. I would keep them up all night long and... We bought at that point. We bought a real piano, but I would say, they say just please play the digital piano. I'm like, no, I need to hear the real piano. <laughs> you don't understand the difference. It doesn't sound the same. Yeah. Um, a little known fact: it was always the opening to the Cheers theme, right? Yeah. <laughs> Twenty four hours a day. <laughs> uh, I did it. Sometimes you want. <laughs> I remember because I was I wanted to learn the score for Family of the Opera, so that's why they lost their mind. <laughs> that's uh, really cool, fa- though. Fa- the opening of Family of the Opera, three in the morning, um, <laughs> multiple times. One of my first... Do you know Lily Allison? You know Lily Allison, right? I know the name. Uh, she's a Chicago girl, and I was going to go... She invited me to the Family of the Opera, and I wasn't into musicals at all, and I was like, yeah, it's just going to be hilarious. And then I went, and I was like... This is a delight. You know, and I loved every second of it, but I remember thinking, oh, this is going to be a funny little jokey thing. And then I just fell in love with it. That's, it is a great musical. Have you seen amazing. it? Um, I don't think I have seen it. I, I've seen dun, Nutcracker. Dun, 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 dun. Nutcracker? Yeah. Not Broadway, is it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah no, maybe. Also, that was what happened to me for Dolly Parton. The singer? Yeah. No interest in going. Didn't want to go. Friend of mine was like, you have to go. I'm like, ah, she's a legend. I'll see it. No interest, thought everyone in the audience was being so over the top excited, and then from the first song, just sobbing. Yeah, oh, I mean, wow. she's delightful. Great show. Wow, I gotta see this. She's delightful. Highly recommend. I've been to Dollywood, worth it a hundred percent worth it. Yeah, so so you're playing piano. 
when was your first like professional gig where you started getting getting paid for for doing music so there were two things that kind of happened back to back yeah. uh so i was born in la uh grew up in orange county noise and um yeah, it's okay. <laughs> By the way, uh, Maddie, this noise thing is new, right? Is that a new catchphrase you're working on? <laughs> no, I've, I've, I've heard it, but this it's becoming a lot. It's too much? Yeah, well, no, it's not too much, but it's clear that you're working on something. <laughs> noise. Noise. <laughs> He, he says it a couple times a year, but now this interview, there's been a lot of noise. I know there's something oh, brewing. I feel comfortable with you guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. So You're I'm working coming. on a new catchphrase. <laughs> I don't know. I don't want to bag on you, but it's true. You are. I mean, I like it. So, so far, the... Uh, yeah, noise, noise. Noise, noise. Uh, so, yeah, so there were two things that happened uh, back to back. Noise. Yeah, it was. Uh this place called Irvine Spectrum opened up, which is essentially Irvine's like noise, oh, noise. Yeah, <laughs> we up, see man. Universal City Walk. We will try okay. to beat you. And uh, they hi- they had open auditions for musicians, and I auditioned and got the gig. Nice noise. So, you know, <laughs> now I can't oh, stop. No. I swear to God, that was not a joke. It, it might not be a catchphrase, but a disease. <sighs> <sighs> You have the you have the noise disease. Okay. <laughs> so it, you auditioned. How old were you? Fourteen. Fourteen. And yeah. what were the other age ranges from the? The was it like thirty and up? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Is it just mostly professional? Like yeah, yeah and you were just some kid. And, but I was like dancing around and you know Jerry Lee Lewis and you know hitting the piano with my foot and. Oh my Whoa. god! You yeah. can't do that, can you? I can. You can play Jerry. You can play like. Great balls of fire with your feet? Yeah, hundred percent. What? Do what? I, why do you think I do yoga? Do you really? Uh, can you really do great balls of fire with your feet? Yeah. That we gotta please. I mean, can I'm not you gonna do, that? do it on any of these keyboards because but these are all fragile. Can you do that yeah, yeah, yeah. at some point for us on this podcast? And do you have a keyboard you can do that on? Uh, let's see if we can do the one downstairs later. That's amazing. <laughs> That is very cool. Can we burn it too, like Jerry? I mean, if you want to buy me a new piano, yeah, well, no, I, don't. I really so, want a Yamaha U5. All right, fine, um, I'll get it. I got it. distracted with Anthony's noise. So, so what? The, so what was the gig? What so was the job? I was just playing at a mall. At a mall. But, but like That's essentially really cool. the Universal City Walk. But the real big gig I got was speaking of Jerry Lee Lewis. Uh, I went to go see him play live because. I was a huge fan because I like to kick pianos. <laughs> and um, uh, I was the only other person besides this other kid trying to get backstage to meet him. That other kid was Drake Bell, who was, had just gone on The Amanda Show. Oh, wow. And then we, one thing led to another. We're like, let's do a band. So I wound up joining his band. Um, and I played on Nickelodeon, uh, Nick Awards. The Palladium, we played like kind of all over together. It was called Drake 24-7. I did um, not know that. That's so cool. Yeah, I found some footage of us actually on the Amanda show, so you could see me like 15 playing organ <laughs> and rock stuff on that. And, I know. loved that show, That's by the way. Really she was cool. very, very funny. Yeah. And they paid good rates back then? And like, were yeah. you were you like, wow, I'm a rich kid? Like, I mean, what was I going was through your mind? Like, yeah. We weren't making crazy money, but maybe like three hundred bucks a show. Wow, you know, five hundred a show. Which when you're when you're that age, when you're fifteen, that's a lot of money. Yeah, that's you're a millionaire. Like I peaked financially at (laughs) fifteen. Yeah, and how many shows did you do then? You did. You kept going and going. Two a month. Two a month. Yeah, six hundred a month. That's rent. Yeah. My gosh. Thousand bucks a month for you know six hours of work. That's fifteen year old rent right there. 
So I remember so, my parents were trying to get me to get a job to teach me responsibility and just being like, I'm making, I'm not going to work for $12 an hour. I'm not I working can, at Cold Stone. I can do this. Did you ever get slimed? Uh, I hit my dad in the face with a pie once. No, no, like no, Nickelodeon. Nickelodeon. Yeah. The green. Did you no, get slimed? I, I never did, did. did you? Oh, I love but, it. Yeah, I got to do Double Dare on tour where I hit my dad with a pie, but I didn't get Oh, slimed. you were on Double Dare. On tour. That's not, so not on cool. TV, but it was one of the highlights oh, of my childhood. That's so great. Wow. It's so cool to grow up in LA, isn't it? Or in the when you can go you meet a guy at a mall and the next thing you know you're <laughs> playing on a, the Amanda show and And I just thought that was normal. Like, oh, you start a band and you're on TV and that's normal and that's what how things happen and so, then, that's so cool. At what mall were you playing at? So it was the uh, Spectrum. What kind of like music? Like just fan ra- of the opera. <laughs> just fan of at the, the mall. Opera. Is that true? <laughs> that um, is a funny mall thing. <laughs> I like, mean, is I just, that guy playing the fan of the opera? Why is he playing it over and over I, again? I was the weirdest thing Why that, that I did singing like was that? I learned I got obsessed with the with the music from Schindler's List. That's cool too. And I would play the score from Schindler's List a lot. at the mall. What mall were you at? <laughs> like people would be on dates going on the you know the Ferris wheel, and I mean the, the mall walkers like the elderly List? mall lo- walkers yeah. loved you. <laughs> yeah. And Drake Bell was like, yeah. this is my type of kid. Rewatch that movie and should not have been playing that music. No, it's so funny. Yeah, you would think you were just like, <laughs> I think we're alone now, like <laughs> Tiffany or something no. at the mall. That's what they did, right? I would play the entire score for Phantom, songs from Schindler's List. Then I remember I played were the entire score. Were you trying to get them not to shop or something? <laughs> I thought that's what the people wanted to hear. Did they because surround you? I was a strange you? child. Like, I listened to this, you know. I think I was listening to Genesis and uh, Steely Dan and Bill Evans. All great. A um, lot of musicals. I played the entire score for Fiddler. Um, so great. Yeah. Had, the entire score. I would just play oh, wow. the entire score of Fam, the entire score of Fiddler, the entire score from Cats. So, because I thought that's what I was into musicals. And I thought that's what everyone was into. So. Did you get people coming up to you giving you tips and stuff? Made or? Very good tips, usually really? from the elderly. <laughs> The elderly love that. And you were like an adorable kid, and they're just like, you know the music of my time. Well, I guess that's not their time, probably, if they were elderly. I mean, I did play T for Two. Oh, they love that. I mean, that's, that's really neat to be able to, like, really pick up on music, because some people, it, it, it takes a while, but you just, it just clicked for you. And what do you think that, do you think it's because of practice, or do you think it's just, like, something... Like, do you have a, are you a musician family? Not or really. Do you have any magicians in your family? <laughs> what the hell's happening? I wish <laughs> I had a magician in my family. I'm asking an intelligent question. Um, now you must do music. <laughs> so, uh, it's a rabbit. <laughs> now you must do Phantom of Opera. What is this, <laughs> Harry Potter? <laughs> so we, uh, What's the question again? Oh, did um, you do magic as a boy? <laughs> no, he. I. Yeah, I don't know how. What was the question? I, I can't really gather that question. Oh, it was about. Um, so the way I feel about music is it's it's like learning a language. Yeah. Um. Anyone can learn English and work as a writer. Anyone can learn Italian and work as a writer or Spanish or whatever language it may be. The question is: Is do you have something to say? Are you interesting? Are you? Do you have a good story? Um. Musically speaking, I think I could teach you everything I know 
in two years. It's not that crazy. It's not that difficult. Everything I know about mixing records, I could teach you in six months. But it's, do you have a good story to tell? Like you could teach someone how to format a script and you yeah. could teach them how to write a, uh, a script properly. But can you teach them to write a good story? That's right. that genese qua thing. And I think that I was very musically inspired. Um, and I just had all these songs in my head and was trying to figure out how to put those songs out. Well, that's that's so cool. I really admire that, and it's really inspiring, man. That's awesome. Oh, thanks. It's really cool. Um, so that was a fist bump for those of you listening. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> after so after Nickelodeon, you work in your, uh, in how long was the Drake Bell uh, band happening? Uh, it ended pretty badly. Oh God! Uh, his yeah. dad managed the band, and then Drake got emancipated, and things happened because you know Nickelodeon slash children. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, that's rough. So uh, I was like, you know what? Maybe I'll go to college. Yeah, and uh, that's when you went to Chicago. So my grandmother was an actress, and she had an, a group of elderly actors called the Jerry Actors. I read about this, and they this were. Where'd you read all this? I didn't know this much information about me. Was he's online. Nardwar in the, on uh, the side. You did a, a voyage, L.A interview oh, that i yeah. read i forgot about to that prep for the <laughs> the jerry the, actors yeah and they That's were really they funny. were uh, like 60 plus year old improvisers so i played for a lot of uh, elderly improv and then went to chicago because i loved improv too and loved jazz and one thing led to another and i got hired by second city just before i turned 19 did you get hired uh for second city before io i think you did right i did it was um <clears throat> i was taking <laughs> the dumbest class it was philosophical issues in film. I know that class really good. Yeah, we just watched Qua <laughs> we just watched Quain of Scotts and I was like, that was sad. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Things are bad in the world. Yeah. Um, but one of the the cousin of Seth Thomas, if you remember him, of course, was like, hey, my cousin's doing a show and they need a piano player for the show, and it was the first Demont showcase. Oh wow! So they hired me to play for it, and I was massively underqualified even though I was almost qualified and I figured that I would get fired from Second City so I just started going to Second City during my lunch breaks after work because I figured for this magical month that I could go to Second City for free mm -hmm. I just had to go there and I started going there so much and being there that they were like oh you want to sub for ETC since you're here oh do you want to sub for Torco oh can you do this flyout day and I just started getting all these calls and just never left who are some of the people you worked with when you're did you work with keenan michael key and all them what yeah. was that the etc you did yep and um, jen bills or, oh yeah yeah uh, who else uh, i'm trying to think of who else was around so you that. played piano for them or you yeah, yeah for oh, their wow. shows yeah yeah jordan peel for key and peel yeah jordan was at boom chicago then but that's right i played for a bunch of his shows and i met him because when they didn't exchange with boom chicago um they put them all up in the Columbia dorms. Oh, that's so, so it's funny. Like, who's this? Uh, you know, Jordan's like a f just a few years older than me. But, you know, at, when you're 18 or 19, like, who's this adult person in the dorms? Yeah. And then you see them at Second City and then wound up playing for Jordan shows and then wound up with an on an improv team years later with Jordan Peele, Scott Rogers, um, Colton Dunn and Heather Ann Campbell called... Um, Booberry Canadian Oh, because they were all Boom, right? Or Colton Dunn was Boom Chicago yeah, guy. Yeah, he was. Was that was that here when you did that? With the, yeah, yeah. Oh, that okay, that's here. cool. And then, yeah, it was a music uh, improv that we did UCB for years out here. That's right. Wow. That's so cool. Yeah, yeah. He, 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 I remember you were always doing the music for like all of those. And then you would, 
besides that, do music for like every theater, right? Like, yeah, like, Ron, like Ron Lynch's show. Yeah, and... love Ron Lynch's show. Oh, I bet yeah. you were yeah. mortified. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which yeah. I scored that TV show movie as well. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, you did Mortify. I was like, who's this guy? He's the funniest person in the room without... Oh, thank you. He's yeah. a funny man. Noise. Yeah. <laughs> Mortified Noise. is where Noise. you uh, share your, you know, if you want, you should say, because you were the one doing it. I just played what? music for it. What Mortified is? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mortified Our is... Com- besides being the competitor Where podcast. you share journal <laughs> stories from high school. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was great. Um, so, so um, yeah, so you, you, you're just so talented, man. So you've worked with so many incredible musicians, uh, including uh, Bob Dylan. I mean, what was that like? How did that come about? So I auditioned when I first moved here to be Robert Townsend's musical director. And I met this guy, uh, Eben Schletter, who's the composer from SpongeBob SquarePants. Very um, cool. Which we actually wound up doing the pile along with Grant Lee Phillips. But Eben's an amazing theremin player. Um, he learned theremin writing the music for SpongeBob SquarePants. So we started a vibraphone uh, theremin duo. We were playing at Bardot, and then Zach Shields and Ryan Gosling saw us play and asked us to record and play on their record and in their band, which was Dead Man's Bones. Whoa. So we opened for and played and recorded with Dead Man's Bones, which was an amazing, weird Halloween-themed band, which I loved. And then Alma was in that band as well. Or she sang in the choir, who's gone on to be a huge director. She did Honey Boy and stuff like that. Oh, wow. Um, Bob Dylan saw Honey Boy, loved the movie, and wanted Alma to direct his concert film. And then Alma said, hey, I need, Bob wants a younger band. Uh, do you know anyone to Zach Shields? And Zach was like, oh, remember Alex? You know, played accordion with Dead Man's Bones and Vibes and stuff. And then that's how I wound up playing with Dylan. How long wow. did you play with Dylan? Or do you still play with him every uh, It was just one month. One month. Did you tour with him? No, we did a concert film. Oh, that. Oh, so you were in the film and everything. That's yeah. really cool. It was my. The only uh, bummer about it was it was during the pandemic, so we're all masked. Oh, that sucks. Oh. But I'm in his like jacket for the new record. You can see me, you know, masked up playing accordion with him. Which that is, is really cool. That's so cool. Immortalized in and a Dylan vinyl. What yeah. Was, what was it like playing with Bob Dylan? Like, was your mind like, mm. like, were you just like whoa like what was going through your mind because that's like he's like the king (laughs) you know it was bizarre um you figure out quickly why he has the greatest bands in the world because the secret to music and it's probably similar with acting or i think it is it's it's about being 100 percent present you you learn the music you know what you're going to do but it's just about being present and in the moment. And people always ask me what my favorite music genre is to play. And I would say, I don't care. I just want to play with musicians who are present and in the moment. And Dylan's a wild animal. <laughs> like yeah. you don't know what he's going to do. And the whole band, and I've worked with bands at this level before, but everyone's being present, but personally to themselves. And I've never been with a group of people at that level who are present with a singular focus. Like, our job is to be present and follow this person. <laughs> yeah, and right. And you don't know what he's about to do. And this level of being present with other people with a singular focus was one of the most magical experiences I've ever had. That's great. That's so cool. And um, he, uh, yeah, he's a Minnesota man, first of all, where I'm from. I don't. I think he didn't like it after a while, but... Uh, so he was just, he was this, you followed his lead. So you had to go off of, like, if he did something, 
I don't know if I want to say eccentric, but if he just mixed it up, you had to follow that lead, right? Is that yeah. what, you know, and, it's pretty interesting. And, um, you know, the stuff was pre-recorded, but in between everything, he just wanted to jam nonstop. So it was just like jamming with him again and again and again and oh again my and again. God. Yeah, and how old was he at, at, during the pandemic? I mean, 80, that, 81? that's pretty, that's impressive on its own. What I love is he had an assistant who would show up every day before he got there who very tall and dressed like a cowboy with a southern draw. That's great. He'd be like, I got a friend coming. Some of you might recognize him. Some of you might not. You're not allowed to talk about the past. You're not allowed to talk about the future. You're not allowed to wish him happy birthday or say how much you love his art. But you can talk about anything about the present. Anything oh. about the present. But yeah. you can't Bob sit. Dylan? He yeah. doesn't oh. like any of the past or because the present. What are you yeah. going to say? Tell him like, oh, I, your song saved my life. It got me through He doesn't want to hear thing. that. Everyone's, He's heard it so many times. But you can, nothing about the present is off limits. So, hey, uh, the, the weather out there. <laughs> He's 80, that so it's all That was all I weather. talked about. It was all hey, weather-related. Yeah, he's just an 80. Yeah, yeah, you know, you ever see did, the, the game's coming did, out. Oh, it's future. Uh. Did he have any weird quirks or anything like, you know? That one's kind of strange, I suppose. <laughs> you can't look at the past. But. Yeah, yeah, besides that. But did he, like, I don't know. He dressed, did he dress in all uh, white makeup <laughs> like, he did, like he did when he went off the grid? <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, the, that's probably for another time. <laughs> okay, okay. What other? Uh, so you but, toured with Billy Ray Cyrus as well, yeah. and you uh, who uh, did Miley? Did you do anything with her or just the dad? Uh, I record on tracks she sang on. Yeah, Wrecking and with, Ball and Noah. Uh, no, but that song's oh, okay. about me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so you worked with him, and you were? Did you tour with him? <laughs> there was another person you you've toured with a lot of bands that Save were Ferris. I toured with for yeah, a while. There, yeah, that you would just kind of. I remember like bumping into you, and you'd be like, "Oh, I just got off tour with a bunch of different people." You, I, every I time. I did Engelbert Humperdinck for for a hot second. That's really that cool. Was a, that was a weird one. And Bruce Springsteen. What? What? What's yeah, up with I just Bruce? recorded on a new record. That's for insane him. too. Whoa. Um, never met him. But you recorded on his album, which yeah. is cool. Yeah, went to the. <laughs> he uh, they left before the vibraphone overdubs. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> he was <laughs> out of there. But uh, Eric Warfane wrote some of the most incredible orchestral arrangements. Uh, I got my undergrad degree in you know jazz vibraphone because I wanted a sustainable living. Uh, <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's what you do when you want to make a if you want to. Yeah. Go safe. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you you got to be safe with that. I didn't yeah. even double on marimba or timpani. I'm like, nope, just a vibraphone. That's really wow. funny. Bruce Springsteen. But so uh, cool. yeah, Eric Warfane wrote some of the most incredible arrangements. Uh, Ross Hogarth, who's multi Grammy winning engineer, who I'm is one of my favorites, did everything from Van Halen to the, that Kev Motaj Mahal record was engineering. That's <laughs> cool. And yeah, um, got to park in his spot because he had left. So yeah, the best parking in the. In the uh... <laughs> he should. That'd be funny if he, he had to walk a block. <laughs> uh, yeah, just you're not gonna make him walk. It's, it's weird because I've gone to record because I have a remote studio with a lot of my heroes, like uh, yeah, record with Fiona Apple. Um, so C great. Sia. Um, so great. Dion Warwick and never met them. So, oh, so you never met? Have you never met any of them? Fiona, I met. I've met briefly, uh, but I was so excited to record on this Dion Warwick record, and they're like. Here, here's the track. Record. Send it back. It's like, but, but I want to I, meet. Can I? Can I come in? Please? Yeah, yeah. Can I please come in? Oh can my I, god. Can I? Be a part I've of worked it? with Bob Dylan for Christ's sake. I got to do that in person. I mean, I record with. Um, 
uh, Avril Lavigne. That was another Ramon one. Whoa, <laughs> that's a cool but one. There have been so many things where it's like, you know, people look at my credits and ask about like, tell me an Avril story. Tell me uh, this story. I'm like, their manager was great on email. Yeah, very, right, right, right. Very lovely. Um, when I first started, so I'm 40. When I first started in the industry, uh, you went to a recording studio. You told them what instruments you wanted. And they just had everything for you. It's great. Now we're expected to own everything ourselves. Oh, gosh. Own all the recording gear and then walk. You know, they tell us what they want and we send it in. Oh, um, wow. It's very rare they'll even rent things for when, us. When so, did that change? Was it... Uh, the pandemic? Post uh, or... Yeah, was it pandemic really changed it? No, it was um, shortly after the uh, Wall Street crash of 07 or 08. I always forget the year. Okay. That when, okay. when people... When did you move back to LA from Chicago then? What? Just shy of 06. Okay. But I kind of didn't tell a lot of people I left. <laughs> so I kept going back to Chicago to do things. Well, well the thing about you with uh, Chicago and just kind of leaving is you were on tour probably with Tour Co., which is Second City's touring company. Uh, and so you were in and out anyway doing music and stuff. So for you to leave, it was probably pretty easy. Yeah. transition i mean i never wanted to leave chicago i didn't either it's, i love chicago i cried when i left and was I, so upset i did oh, too I'm sorry buddy i, I mean if i could do what i do here in chicago i'd move back in a second oh, it wow. is a great city have okay. you been you've been yeah, your yeah. sister lives there yeah um has she tried to get you to move um no no but um she yeah, doesn't like wow. <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding um, i'm sure she, no, loves, she loves me very much um so, uh, so yeah, so that's so cool. So you've, you've worked with so many, uh, musicians, which is incredible. Actors and, and, and like actors entertainment and people, all the so many people. And so, so you compose, um, movie and TVs. What's that like? Well, like Iron Man three, how did that come about? Uh, that was just a song. Uh, <laughs> hey, that's a, that's a more than a song than I have in the Iron Man 3, yeah. I'll tell you that much. Um, <clears throat> My God. And you wrote the song. Yeah, I co-wrote it. Whoa. So, but that was essentially Iron Man 3, which I still, I've only seen the last 20 minutes of, because I told you how I am about Marvel movies. Yes. <laughs> uh, all the Marvel and Star Wars movies, I just go to the last 20 minutes of after I've seen another movie, because I just want to see explosions i don't really care about the that's story. really funny I'm like it's just leaning up to the explosion like yeah what else do i need to what else do i need to know he's a superhero he's just waiting for him to blow things up at yeah, the they don't need to see them be sassy at a <laughs> at a restaurant and, and then, throw through the windows and and occasionally if i get really confused i will call sean gallaty and be like explain star wars 3 to me that's my old roommate goth yeah. the <laughs> goth guy he likes star wars all that stuff and ouija boards he had so many which made Ouija boards. I hope he's okay. Really? No, he's fine, I think. I don't his know. wife is so confused about how mellow he is when she hears stories about his past. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of pleather and leather everywhere you look. Yeah. Laying in the living room, pleather pants. What I was confused about was why they were always in the living room. He loved it. Well, he had a very small... Uh, uh, we'll explain Sean Gowdy. We have said that he's gothic, but he lived in a little closet, so he was mostly in the living room. <laughs> So he just had a closet and he like slept around uh, Ouija boards and swords. <laughs> oh my god! And then he would just watch TV in the living room and live in there and throw throws clothes around. Sounds like a fun guy. Hey, he um, was wild, he was, he baby. Was great. Um, no, yeah, that's awesome. So he's a good guy. So, um, so, so yeah, tell us Iron Man three. What was that? So I had worked with Mister Little Jeans. Um, 
really amazing band. And essentially for Iron Man 3, <laughs> it takes place during Christmas and there's no songs in the movie. And Hollywood Records realized that they could market um, a record. <laughs> yeah. So they're like, hey, we're going to go out to, you know, Mr. Low Jeans had just started to break, Imagine Dragons, AWOL Nation. And like, hey, write some songs that could be Iron Man 3 inspired by the motion picture. Uh, for those of you who can't see at home, I'm doing air quotes. <laughs> and so we essentially like put in lyrics about like armor being broken. Like, you know, so it's essentially like a love song. Like, yo, you broke through my armor in my heart. Like oh, stuff like yeah. that. Love that. So you just find out, you know, it's years of doing Baby Wants Candy has really helped. That's a, the, a Baby Wants Candy is an improvised musical show. I think it started in Chicago. There is one here as well, and uh, that's what he's talking about because everything's improvised, flying off the cuff. Wow! That's why I yeah, you learn to write music very fast. It's like yeah, wow. that that's one thing that Alex has that's like above and beyond others is his ability to improvise because he, unlike a lot of musicians who have to learn. How to improvise. You went and you did it at a young age. You moved to Chicago, studied improvising as an actor, and and that it, I'm sure that just gives you like well, and when we say a huge up on well, it. Well, and when we say improvise, every musician knows how to solo. It, we don't mm-hmm. improvise like that. You know, it's like watching a scene and immediately knowing what to score during the scene. And oftentimes, if I'm scoring films, um, I love to have the directors in the room during the first pass and play live with them like an improv mm-hmm. show and say, even if the timbre is going to change, like, oh, it won't be a piano, it'll be more this instrument or that instrument, uh, to still play with piano and say, like, hey, what's the point of view? Like, we do the close-up of the protagonist right here. Do we play their internal thoughts? Do we play to where the story is actually going and to have these very strong conversations? Right. Um, also with film, what I love is... I like to compose around the budget as opposed to going wild. Um, Which is also a good idea. (laughs) Well, films are now a package deal. So you get paid X amount and you're essentially the music department as opposed to saying what you want and trying to get it from the studio. So a lot of film composers are like, well, John Williams orchestra, that's what we're doing. And to me, it's, it makes a film sound cheap and fake. Like Birdman's just solo drums. It sounds huge. So oftentimes based on the budget, I love to compose around the score and make the score sound huge and make really cool choices. Um, I did a movie that Adam Maravis's directorial debut, he wrote 21 Bridges and um, National Champions called The Last Days of Capitalism. Um, and there wasn't a big budget and it takes place in Vegas and people are doing a lot of coke and I'm friends with Sarah Reich who's one of the best tap dancers in the world. So that's like, cool. Hey, what if we do tap dance synthesizer? What if that's the score? Because that feels very Vegasy to me. Um, and to try to compose the score based around the budget as opposed to pushing farther, it just makes the score sound cheap. And I love recording, I love engineering, and based on how you record a piano, uh, it was actually something I learned from recording with Billy Ray. Um, the engineer, uh, producer Brandon, put a single um, SM57 in the piano, it was this um, nine-foot Bosendorf, and was like, hey, play like an asshole, play big, play crazy, play all over the place. That piano, that mic will pick up, um, it won't pick up a lot of the transients and it'll make the piano sound very thin. So you'll never get in the way of the track, even though it's a busy track. And then for the hook, he put a couple, um, you know, C12s and U67s around the piano inside. And for those of you who don't know, those are 
two mics which are have a huge um, sound and they pick up all these harmonics. Yeah, and I like know that. I know frequencies. <laughs> and, he, and he had me play a single, only the single note melodies in the hook because of how much sonic room it takes up. So one of the things I love about composing is, you know, when you grow up, you're reading, you know, Rimsky Korsakoff's books of orchestrations and Ravel's, and they talk about how to um, compose and arrange because. You know, what instruments cut through, like if woodwinds sustain when people are playing fortissimo, which is loud, you won't hear the woodwinds and they just turn into a texture. But if woodwinds have a really sharp attack, so a flute or a piccolo, if it's arpeggiating, you no matter how loud something is, you'll hear them over it because they're arpeggiating. So what I love to do is in terms of sonic mixing, I love to think about that kind of classical orchestration as I record my instruments as well. So make the piano a little bit thinner and you can mess with it to be a little bit more piccolo-esque so it'll go over things. Also what's beautiful about miking is you can have, um, one of my favorite things and when I produce records too is when the band's playing really powerfully and loud, to have the singer sing very softly and beautifully because we have the ability with microphones to take a very soft, pretty vocal and push it forward. It's like the Billie Eilish thing. She's singing this loudly on top of really pounding, powerful music. Mm. And that creates this like intensity mixed with this intimacy. And you can do that with instrumentation as well. Um, so cool. Yeah, that's really cool. So it's kind of, it's almost like being a DP as well. So when I'm, you know, sonically. So when I'm composing, I'm thinking of how I want to record and mic things just as much as I'm thinking of the texture and timbre of the instruments. That's incredible. That's great. And and how do you how do these composer jobs come about? Like, do you have an agent or how does that work? Um, I don't know how I get them. <laughs> really? Word of mouth. It's yeah, all word, yeah, of, it's mouth. word of mouth. I have, a, I have an amazing manager, Jason, and uh, a lawyer. Um, and things just kind of happen. Like, I was in Dead Man's Bones, as I said, and I sat down uh, at a party at Monique's house, the lead singer, Say Ferris, and the guy just turned to me, John Schnitzer, was like, do you know anyone in Dead Man's Bones? I'm like, I'm, I'm in Dead Man's Bones. Why are you asking? He's like, are you joking with me? I'm scoring a movie and I won like, or I'm directing a film. I wanted Dead Man's Bones in the thing. And yeah. there's a musician party. And one thing led to another. I wound up music supervising. I'm in it. <laughs> and co-composing. Uh, You're in it? No, no, he's in it. It's funny oh, that, okay. it's yeah. funny. The guy was like, do you know anybody in this band? He's like, yeah, me. Uh, <laughs> but like things just kind of happen. Sure. I, whenever I cold call for jobs, um, I, I don't like auditioning for films. I will I will spec for a movie, which means if you're like, hey, I'm debating between you and this other composer, because what I say is it's like every composer is amazing. It'd be like, but it's like, do you want Brad Pitt or Tom Cruise to star in your movie? They'll both kill it, but it'll be a completely different movie. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Um, and composers are the same way. If you're debating between me and a few other people, I will audition for it. Oh, you have to audition. What it's is called, that process? It's like? called specking. And okay, they'll, specking. They'll give you a scene and just say like, hey, how would you score this? Okay. Uh, I won't do open casting or cattle calls <laughs> because then it's essentially, that's when the comp the director doesn't know what they want or and they're just trying to come up with ideas or they don't know how to express what's in their head and they're hoping someone's going to guess. Right, and, right. Um, but if you're debating between me and a few people, would love to audition. Um, but otherwise, I, there's a lot of open calls, which I won't do. This anymore. is something, too, about Alex. Known him long time. Alex kind of has this, like, magical... Uh, say, uh, comfortable... Comfortability with people 
and people want to be around him and people always ask him to do things. So he's always been a person that I've witnessed that has always had like an interesting thing that you're doing because I think you're just, first of all, you're there, you show up to places, you're a social guy. But I also think that uh, you just have, a lot of people have, you know, it's like a lot of people like have this magical vibe. Yeah, and, and honestly, open. Yeah, but you're I feel very like you do person. have like this thing where people are drawn to you or it, it's just something that not, uh, maybe like you were one of the only people maybe I do know that has like this thing where it's like, it's just the your vibe is like very. Uh, uh, I don't You're know. Very I don't know, noise. I don't know how to explain <laughs> that, it. That it, should be my bio. Well, but, what, what I can tell you is I'm I'm the biggest super fan in the world. Mm-hmm. Like, That's true. He is a fan of others, and he's supportive, and but, he is not afraid to be like, "You're awesome." And then that person's like, "What do you do? I do this. You're awesome too." And then you collaborate. Well, that is the true. Way, well, there's two things. A is um. No, I'll tell you about you. <laughs> I tell you about you. Aww, I'm just kidding. I'm you. kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, well, on the next episode, I definitely want to just talk about how much I love the two of you. And all oh, the reasons oh, you're why. a gentleman. Um, yeah, not good with this many compliments. Uh, <laughs> no, don't worry about it. I, uh, you didn't get it. I was, I was just talking. <laughs> oh, thank you. But pretty much, I'm the biggest fan of improv, biggest fan of film, biggest fan of comedy and music and all those things. So for me, like the Springsteen, for example... You know, Springsteen might not have been there, but I'm like, oh my god, I got to work with Roz Ogar. Like, of course, I'm obsessed with you. Like, I use all your plugins and this and that. Like, Eric Warfang, Section Quartet. Like, I, it's not. I just don't know the big people. I love film and music, and to get to be in the same room with all these people. Like, I saw the people I get starstruck about are, you know, not the same the most would, but like, I almost started crying when I saw Pino Palladino walk by. He's the bass player with D'Angelo. Which like, is amazing. Like, and D'Angelo, I'd be like, oh, that's cool. But I steal so much from Pino. I'm like, oh, my God. It's, You're it's the you. one. Wow. It's you. So, like, I really love it so much. I get excited. And also the way I try to network is by getting all my friends' jobs. Yeah. I, I also don't even want to – I don't want – I think that's limiting you with the word network because I think you're just a gentleman. Uh, so I don't even know if you are networking. You're just friendly and try to get, like you said, try to get people jobs. Well, but that's my whole vibe. It's I like, am going to tell you. No, I'm <laughs> it's like getting my, like every job I've gone has been, been from friends. Mm-hmm. And my feeling is like just keep, you know, like paint it forward and it'll come back. So if I'm at a yeah, that's event. Yeah, smart. It's or there's a networking thing that I, I'm, I don't like networking things. I don't like going to networking events. But if I get thrown in them. I'm always just, my MO is always to help out friends, to get That's friends awesome. jobs, yeah. get friends books. I'm like, it'll just work out. If my friends work, I'll work. Yeah. Even if you're at a networking event, I would never th- classify you as just somebody that's networking. I, you know what I mean? And it's yeah. usually because I'm forced to go. <laughs> yeah. And you're, and you're uh, you know, you're down to hang. You don't just hang with the, you know, you just hang out with everybody. You're like nice to everybody. Uh, how, uh, how many instruments do you play, Alex? Um, Do you even know? I mean, there's so many. I I, I mean, I will lie and tell you I play any instrument you ask me to play. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I got drunk in an argument with a friend and that I could play mandolin at the Grand Old Opry in a month when I got there with Billy. Bought a mandolin. And Did learned. you play the Grand Old Opry? Yeah. And oh, I played, my God. I played mandolin. And at the end of the gig, some old guy walked up to me and goes, you're either a genius or you don't know what you're doing. And I can't tell. <laughs> Because That's amazing. The, the way I was Who like, was this old man? No idea. 
That's really funny. Hi, Richie Skaggs. The uh, way you were playing it? or It didn't make sense if you're not a mandolin player. Because uh, the way I would voice things, but I'm like, okay, it's in fists. I could do like this. I could do this. So my voicings were so bizarre if you play mandolin. <laughs> Can you imagine? He played the Grand Old Opry. Did you play the Ryman or did you play like the big guy, the new one? Isn't it called Ryman? Yeah, I play the the Ryman. Oh, my God. Wow. Do you know, have you ever been there? No. I've I've been to the Grand Old Opry. uh, I've been to the Ryman. I saw Old Crow Medicine Show play. They are uh, so good. They are so good. But it's just amazing that you played such an iconic stage. What are other stage? I know this is a long, who cares if it's long? We're having a good time. how, how? What other iconic stages or pl- venues have you played that you uh, loved? Um, believe it or not, Troubadours and Largo. In Those Los are Angeles. huge. Yeah, yeah. Like Largo feels like the most special place in the world. Um, yeah. And the Troubadour, I love that vibe. Uh, I played halftime in NASCAR. That was a wild one. Oh my god! Whoa, halftime at NASCAR. Yeah. How many people were at halftime at mas- ma- masquerade? <laughs> NASCAR. 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 Well, if you combine a masquerade party at NASCAR, no, no, that NASCAR. Be... I will not offend the racing community. Uh, like eighty thousand, I think. Jeez, that was. Wow. Uh, I did the MTV Movie Awards. That was live at the Gibson, I believe. That's really cool. What one did you do? Did you do a few of them or? Uh, when Sudeikis hosted, uh, oh, okay. him and P.O.B. brought me in, Mike O'Brien. Wow. Are you fr- are you friends with both of them? Yeah. You know, I know you. I knew you were friends with Mike, but I didn't know about Sudeikis. But so, he knows everybody. You know. Yeah, that was That's a, so cool. What a, did you play for the awards? Uh, keyboards. I had to think about. Did it. Mike O'Brien write for that or something, or how did he yeah, get involved? Yeah. So my two two of my biggest breaks were that was in like a decade ago were because of Craig Robinson not being available. Oh really? <laughs> because you know we passed for each other. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's true. Yeah, and when I see you, I see Craig. So Craig moved to L.A. <laughs> and that's how I got the gig at Second City. Oh, is that true? Uh, so he was a Chicago guy for a while? He was a Chicago guy. He left right before us. I did not know Craig Robinson. Did he do improv in so Second City Because he could play piano. He was playing piano for the shows, and they wouldn't hire him to act because they were so short on piano players. So he's like, screw this, going to L.A. And then he was doing Hot Tub Time Machine 2 or 1. I forget. The, I'm bad at years. One of the Hot Tub Time Machines, and filming ran long. And that's why I couldn't make the MTV Movie Awards. And you did it. And so, like, two of my biggest breaks were uh, because Craig wasn't available. Thank you, Craig, by the <laughs> way. That, that is so great, man. That's so that's, cool. That's awesome. So that's so cool. Um, what other things are you working on now that you're, that you're stoked about that you can talk about? Uh, I'm doing a musical. Wow. Uh, we were at Northwestern all summer workshopping it. I'm going back to Chicago to put it up. That's uh, great. Working with a choreographer on dance, and then we're going to do off-Broadway. We have some amazing Broadway producers late this year. And if it does well, we will go to Broadway, which is crazy. Oh, my Whoa. God, yeah. And I wrote in... I've become like... I'm kind of gone full circle after doing all this crazy rock. That's what I was going to say. When you were a kid, you did musicals, and now you're back, Jack. That's yeah. amazing. You're, doing, you're living the dream. Nice. Yeah, I'm doing another... Uh, pitching a musical TV show with my friend uh, Deb who co- Deb Vote who co-wrote the musical with me she wrote the book and co-wrote lyrics um, and then Richard Fairgray who I wrote that children's book with Jeez. and, and then, uh, the children's book see he keeps yeah. going man that's the thing with Alex is he will man. keep the sec- going yeah the secret is I never stop uh, that's awesome <laughs> I don't have any hobbies because all I do is write and play music how often do you sleep what's your sleep schedule so 
I'm a weirdo. I'm angry every night when I have to go to sleep. What time? I don't want to go to sleep. I mean, whenever I pass out between, I go to sleep between 10 p.m. So you just pass out on the keyboards? What time do you wake up? Uh, between 9 and 12. So you definitely but are a night owl, but you also, uh, yeah, because you're always going. But like, I don't want to stop. Like every time I have to go to bed, I feel like I failed <laughs> because uh-huh. I want to stay up and keep going. But then in the morning, I never want to get out of bed. Do you watch so TV? That, like, because it's so comfy. What do you do when you're just relaxed? Do you have like a TV show you like? or I, I don't own a TV. I knew that. <laughs> Did you know that? No. Yeah, there's no TVs here. Wow. Uh, it's annoying because I'll put on TV when I work, but then I tend not to watch TV shows that are too good because they distract me from work. Like I keep trying so to watch. So smart. I keep trying to watch Atlanta, but I like it so much I stop watching it. <laughs> so smart. So I watch the Dusk Till Dawn series instead. Uh, <laughs> which helps, what makes you, which is kind of, of something that's oh, on. Oh, it's one of the worst shows ever made, but it's fascinatingly bad. <laughs> so, uh, I think that is so, inspiring me. I don't think I need TV. That That's too much, all this TV. Or, or if it is a show I like, like Fleabag, I'll watch it like five times on a loop just while I'm working and I'll slowly pick up the whole show yeah but i'm always watching 90 day fiance it's something's on in my house there's always something that you like little people big world any of these shows hoarders well, that, that's when I'm, I'm trying to watch less tv and play more music and stuff like that because i love learning music it's incredible oh it's great so, so as a new uh musician myself what advice would you give other musicians or future um composers what advice would you give them just to kind of wrap the interview um oh it's not fun um the act of learning music is not fun uh, at least for me it's terrible uh, i wish someone was that honest with me yeah but it's like getting a six-pack um i don't believe anyone enjoys getting a six-pack if they say they enjoy it they're lying to you but having one's great. You mean on your own, just sitting around by yourself like a having beer a beer, s- a six six pack of. Like a, oh, yeah, I thought you were okay. talking about beer. No, and no, I was no, like, no, I no, feel no, like no. people like those um, six packs. No, there were, about your belly there. No, but there were years in my life that I did nothing except memorize every single chord, every single scale. People say they don't like doing it because it puts you in a box, and it will put you in a box for a moment. But what you once you learn it all, it'll explode and become limitless. Um, and it's just like learning a new language. You get to a point where there's going to be a year of your life where you're just going to have to memorize every chord in all inversions, every scale in all inversions. It's just going to be terrible, um, and fight through it because once you get through that and it'll take you about a year. Um, wait, 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 I'm going to say this. It'll take somebody like him about a year. Oh, it it could me- take you s- never. <laughs> and that's the truth. No, that's not true. It, took it me, is. It took me more time than most people I know. Well, yeah, because, because you I, might be a perfectionist. But most of these <laughs> idiots watching, they don't, they're not doing so, what you're doing. Well, the problem that I had, because <laughs> I was like a borderline prodigy kid. That's right. So people didn't teach me all of these basic things. So then in my early 20s, I hit this horrible wall and i had to go back and learn all of these basics oh okay so you learn the basics and then that's when it kind of took off even more for you yeah and it took me especially like it took me longer than most people because you know i'm hyper and and like get distracted easy and just like to memorize all of those scales i think actually did truly take me longer i had the facility to naturally play faster than most people but to learn all that stuff and memorize it 
took me much longer than other people. But I find that once you can, you know, be a musician on the Titanic while it's sinking and still play all the chords and every inversion and know them, be able to play all your scales, um, it'll just go and be limitless. And then the other thing is be present and listen. Um, The hardest thing I think about existence at the moment is being present because of self, like I even had to check it's my so cell phone. It's so the, true. Quote the man Bob um, Dylan himself. It, yeah. it's a, he only wanted to speak in present terms. Yeah, and I find that when I compose, when I play, just the act of being present, the act of focusing and being in the moment is the most difficult thing. Um, mm-hmm. And I find that the older I get with, not because of getting older, but because of the way society is right. and technology, being present is harder and harder. I think the reason why improv comedy is so necessary in stand-up um, and all this live stuff is we're, we almost get off watching a group of people be present. That it's something that's inspiring yeah. that we need. Yeah, that is true, and it's less edited because even our reality TV and our and our, our picture, <laughs> yeah, our, our shows we watch or our videos we watch it's somebody not being present it's somebody like perfecting their brand even people we don't think have a brand because they're anyways i don't know what i'm (laughs) yeah what do you say but i i do i see what you're saying that it makes sense because these live shows it's somebody on stage doing something in the present sense they're doing something we're watching them do and what's hard is because you know you're being filmed um you know, did not stop me. Like, is this a good angle? Is this this? Do I mm-hmm. need to like look more at the person filming to just be purely in the moment. And I find with composing or playing on records, it's really it's easy for me to be present with other people around. Like with you two here and you guys f- filming, being present is very easy for me. But when I'm in the room by myself and I need to compose, or you know that Dion Warwick track comes in and I need to play on it. How do you not get in your head and be present when you're essentially self-taping yeah. your performance with Dion Warwick? Yeah. Like, how do you be present for that? You don't want to send it, and you have to keep guessing. Uh, how do can, you keep, how do you do that? How do you just say that it's time to send? I can't keep editing or this and that. It's time. Th- this is a done track. How do you do that? Um, not easily. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, especially. Uh, well, what I like to do when I send tracks is give them three to five performances. And I will do this for the exact same price as one. Sure. Um, yeah. But I, some people want a perfectly edited track. What I love is to give a few performances that are all in the moment uh, where I can just like learn the song and really get and then just like loop things and go. And what I will do is loop it. And, and I find if I get more than three takes, people will get overwhelmed with options. Mm. But I'll keep recording myself until I find that I start getting worse. And that's when I stop. Um, but I like to let them pick things because when things are perfected within the inch of their life, people don't like them anymore. Like in, I forget what Bowie song, the bass player makes a bunch of mistakes. And he jumps to the chorus early. And you, It might be Rebel Rebel, I can't remember. But like, and you love it. Like, you want that thing where like the best scenes in films feel like moments that are just captured where they, if they had pushed play one second earlier, one second later or yelled action, um, it would be a completely different performance. Yeah. So that's what I try to do. Is I like, love that stuff. I'd yeah. rather give you a, a moment and then let you edit it and like have a conversation where like, what do you want on the bridge? What do you want on the chorus? What do you want on the verse? Are you looking more for hooks? Like get direction 
and then give them a few takes where they can pick their moments as opposed to if I have to edit at the performance for them, that's when it doesn't go well because I'll start perfecting everything. Right. Or if I can give them three takes, I know I can give them three great takes. Um, but if I'm choosing which verse to go with, that's when I'll start pushing and moving and sliding. Well, that's I, I also like this is so uh, like it, it's just certain songs you can listen to and you're like, that wasn't meant to be there. <laughs> that sound was not in uh, the, there's a different sound that has nothing to do with the music, the rhyme, anything that's happening, but there's just like a clash, but it's just there. Somebody dropped a, a record or something and it yeah. just sounds perfect well, for that situation. And it, la I, I love that with different songs. And when you just like, how did that come about? Oh, I dropped a record and we liked it. The Every, records you know. that I can listen to forever are the ones I can't memorize. Yeah, yeah. Like the, that uh, Phoebe Bridgers record. I cannot memorize what she did. And that's like, there's always something that sticks out. I think the reason why people love vintage and analog gear, it's the new keyboards they're making are just as good, if not better than the vintage analog stuff. But there's a way, there's like an unhinged quality where the tuning drifts a little bit. Mm -hmm. And the... You know, the oscillator might like be a little wonky in this register as opposed to that register because they haven't been perfect. So it feels alive to us. Yeah. Yeah. And when authentic, they, yeah. They made a self tuning guitar and it didn't sound good. <laughs> right, right, right. That's funny. Yeah, yeah. So so you're you're incredible. You're we're so lucky to be able yeah, to interview. Thank you so you. much. Thank you so much. Um thank you. I learned a lot and uh learning uh you know, being a composer and a musician it's not rocket science folks oh there's one thing i want to add, yeah, yeah. add to it actually one more yeah. bit of advice the only difference between me and you you being the composer i've never met before <laughs> is um i can probably i can probably write 10 times faster than you but it doesn't mean i'll write something better than you um all your all i do when i write is play what's is i can figure out what's in my head instantly it might take you a month to figure out what's in your head, but it, that might be a better song than I'll ever write in my life. So it's just about that follow through and finishing it. Well, it's who, the, you know, yeah. it's like the Ramones were not trained musicians. They just wrote music or same with the Sex Pistols. Yeah. All these people I just do that. it. Sound, right, can we work advice. on a quick tune or something um, like uh, harmonize? Yeah. And, and uh, is that all right? Well, and yeah. before, we, get before we do that, um, where can people find you? Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. I uh, put his address on his house. Uh, oh, remember? And, and don't yeah, forget yeah. my social security. That's right. Yes. I got it all for him. <laughs> nice, uh, nice. Date of birth. Uh, AlexanderBurke.com is my website. Burke.Alexander is my Instagram. That's pretty much everything. Great, <laughs> great, awesome. great. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. And Spotify, probably right. I'm only on Spotify for other people's projects. Uh, I'm finally working on my first solo record, which is way overdue. Dude. Yes, that's awesome. Um, well, stay tuned for that, folks. But I yeah. just made Alex Let's... punch a can. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it, was, it felt very strong. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Uh, it, the, everyone yeah. was celebrating as I like, just punch this can. But yeah, you want to sing a little tune to? Can we? Um, it's a better minor. place for me so, and yeah. for I. So. But he will be here, and so will be me. Heal the world. Yeah, A minor, F, C.
wasn't here. <laughs> Daddy, you're the one to blame for my name. California Band-Aids are one and two Put it on when you got boo-boo Because I didn't want a child And I sat and looked with tears Sitting with dad a couple beers And all he said before he died was that's the reason that I lied I had more children than I say It was more like 58 with John Follow you, you follow me Lights on my head just like a freak If you wouldn't have done that, Daddy, this song wouldn't have existed Uh, any like a scary movie. Oh, I've used this in so many horror films. Yeah. But yeah, that's what like... I mean, that's all you need here. <laughs> it's not rocket science. Not not rocket science. Science. Not rocket science. It's not rocket science. It's not. 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 Rocket science. It's not rocket science.